because we're talking this is the, you know, your promise where God's going to bring about promises in our lives. And what I find that can take place in our hearts, and I've had it happen to myself here uh, over the years, is that you can begin to take the promises of God and make them more important than God himself. You can elevate them, in other words, place them at a higher place than they need to be in our life, and that we, as believers, in the process of grabbing hold of the promises that God has given us, keep God in the right place. In other words, we're choosing God over his promises. And I think one of the clearest examples that we have in the scriptures is Abraham. He is absolutely the clearest picture that I can see, and we even have some insight into his mind in the scripture. So what I want to do now is, remember, God promised Abram a child. So we're going to start and go over the promises very quickly. I'm just going to whip. You ready? We're going to just whip through this first part because I want to set the foundation for it so that we have this. This is a promise that comes from God. It's an absolute, sure, 100% promise that comes from God. So in Genesis chapter 12, and this is going to, for, for those who have heard the other sermon here that we just preached not long ago, it's going to be a little bit of an overlap, but I want, I want us to get this promise nailed down. So it says in, in um, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I, the ones who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So he's 75 years old, has no children, none, nothing. And so God begins to give him this promise. He says, I'm going to make you into this great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to do all these things. All, you're, you're going to bless the, the reaches of the earth. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. And so God gives him this promise. And there's no promise of a child here. He just said he's going to make him a great nation. He could become a king and rule over people. But it just says he's going to become a great nation. So there's no necessary promise of having an heir or someone else in his life. So Abram, he listens to God. He goes out and he enters into the land and he begins to travel through the land. And as he's in the land, in verse 7, it says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So now he, it, he knows that he's going to have a child. Because it says to your descendant. What does the word descendant mean? It says one who, who comes forth. One who is descended literally from another. 
an offspring, right? And so that's what the word descendant means. One who is descended literally from another person. So a descendant is someone who comes from you. So now he has this clue. Wow, that sounds like I might have some kids. Not only am I going to have this nation, I'm going to have some kids. And he has no, no proof of that at, at yet. He's only concluding that, right? And then it goes like this um, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me since I'm childless? And again, he's saying, I'm, I don't have a kid. What are you going to give me? I don't. If you give me anything, it doesn't matter because it's not going to go to my children and it's not going to continue on. I don't have any children and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham and Abram said, Since you have given no offspring to me, one born of my house is my heir. Now, Abraham, Abram looked at it this way, that God was the one who gave children. God was the one who caused children to come into this world. And even though they had relations with one another, God was the source of life and God was the one. He says, you haven't given me any offspring. I don't have a child. And of course that makes a little sense, doesn't it? Like, if you're going to have an heir, you need a child. It's just the way it is. And then, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. Now, he's, God's getting more specific. It's this child that you're going to have, this heir that you're going to have, is going to come out of your body. Now, he doesn't say anything about his wife, Sarai. He doesn't say anything about her whatsoever. But he says, it's going to come out of your body. And so, there you go. He has something to believe. I'm going to have a child. It's going to come through me. And God took him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars. And if you are able to count them, he said, to him, so shall your descendants be. So he goes out and sees the stars, and God gives him a promise. You're going to have kids. There's going to be a lot of them. Isn't that what that means? I think so, because there's a lot of stars. And it says that Abram believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And the Lord said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And so here we are. He has a promise now. It's more succinct. It's not just descendants. He said it's going to come through your body. It's not going to be something handed down. But literally through your body, this air is going to come. So now... Abram's 85 years old. Ten years have passed. Nothing has happened. Nothing. No kids. Nothing. Right? And so, <clears throat> so now we're in Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, 
had borne him no children. So 80, 85, no children, right? And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan. So now we know he was 75 now 10 years makes him 85. Abraham, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, gave her to her husband, Abram, as his wife. He went into Hagar. She conceived. And when she saw that she conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. So we see that maybe Sarai, Sarai heard this thing that God had promised that it would come through Abram. She goes, not happening through me. So why don't we do it the way that the world does it? Why don't we do it what, how everyone else does it? When they can't have children, they have a surrogate. They take one of their servants and they give them over and they have the child and then you take that child as your own. And that's the way that, that she was thinking and that's the thoughts that she had. And so Hagar conceives so now Abram's 86 years old. And it says in Genesis 16, 16, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. So 86 years old and the promise is fulfilled, isn't it? It's fulfilled because it's a child coming out of his body. So it's got to be under control. And so here we have something that we learn is that sometimes we don't understand the promises of God, but God's not going to let us lie in darkness. He does for quite a few years, though, if you think, because now we move to the point where Abram's 99 years old. That makes Ishmael 13 years. He was born when he was 86. He's 99. Ishmael is 13 years old. So... Now we have this, and God's going to clarify the promise quite a bit more. So, verse 1. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. Now he's expanded that to a multitude. No longer shall your name be called Abram, for your, your name shall be called Abraham, for I will make you the father of a multitude of nations." I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations from you and kings will come for you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. Now he's, he's thinking, well, I, I got Ishmael, right? I got what I was looking for, the promise. But then later on, God goes in verse 15. It says, Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and indeed, I will give you a son by her. 
That was the original plan. I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. She shall be a mother of the nations. Kings and peoples will come for you. Then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed and he said in his heart, Will a child be born to one who's hundred years old? Or will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. I pointed this out before, but he's saying, Wait a minute, I already have a son. I already have my firstborn. I already have the promised one. I already have what I think is right. I've got this son. May he live before you forever. I don't need this other child. Basically, let him live. He's, he's the one. But God says, no, that's not how it is. And here's what, the, what he says in verse 19. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him. See, God is choosing the lineage of the covenant. He's choosing the one who it will be. It won't be Ishmael. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And he says, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I will bless him. So he says, I'm going to bless him. I'm going to make him uh, nations himself. I'm going to make have him have 12 children, 12 princes he's going to have, just like the 12 children of Jacob that became the nation of Israel, here God says, I will bless him and I'm going to keep him. But the promise is through Isaac. He is the one who I will make my covenant with. And so we see that and we have that. And, and that's what takes place. God says uh, in verse 21, he says, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac who Sarah will bear with you uh, at this season next year. So now, Abram's a, Abraham is 100 years old. Whew. Can't imagine having a kid at 100. Man, that's just like... It was a different world then. They lived a little longer than we kind of live right now. And, and things were different. But God is, is a God who wanted to make sure that they were past the age of normal bearing children so that when the promise came, it would be from him and they would recognize it as being from him. And so he has this promise and says in Genesis chapter 21, says, Then the Lord took note of Sarah and he said, uh, excuse me. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age and at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. I want you to get that appointed time. This is the time of the promise. This is the time when it will be fulfilled. This is the time when my purpose will be accomplished as I have spoken. And it says in verse 3, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abram, 
Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So here's what we have. A 100-year-old man has this child. And a 90 or 91, we don't know whether he was saying when she was 90 was when she'd give birth or if she was you know, going to be 91, get pregnant at 90 and have the baby. But anyway, it is amazing. It's a God thing, and he wanted everyone to know this. And so the promises come. So the next time we see Abram, we don't know how old he is. But Isaac is born. We don't know how old Isaac is. You know, you start commentaries and all this kind of stuff and they come up with all these ages of how how old Isaac was when God asked him to sacrifice him and so we're going to look at this we don't know the age we know he's old enough to carry a whole bunch of sticks up a side of a mountain so we know he can't be just a little kid he's got to be big enough to carry enough for a, a burnt offering and for Abram to sit there and and lay out the sticks and do all those kind of things. He's got to be able to do that. And so we know, we don't know the age. John, can you hand me that, please? Thank you. All right. Some say he was 13. Some say he was 20. Some say he was 26. We know that the oldest he could be is 36 years old. The reason we know that is because in the next chapter it says that Sarah, his mother, died when she was 127 years old. So if she was 90 when she had him, she was 37. He was 37 when she died. So we know he has to be somewhere between probably a teenager and in his 30s. And so we don't know. And the Bible doesn't make a hoot nanny out of it. Doesn't let us know at all. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes we want to know more than the Bible wants to let us know. And we don't need to know how old he was. But he was old enough to carry sticks. You know, big big firewood up, up the side of a mountain. So we know he's, he's big and strong and able to do that. Because uh, Abram was like 100 and who knows what. <laughs> he could be 120, 130, who knows. All right, so now we're getting to the point of what I want us to talk about. But I wanted to, I wanted to get to the point where the Scripture shows, shows us absolutely 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, that Isaac was the promised son, that the covenant was going to come through Isaac. This is so important for us to understand, because now when God comes to Abraham, he has a dilemma on his hand. So it says in in chapter 22, verse 1, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham. Oh boy, there's that word tested. And I talked about this, the difference between a test and a temptation. When God tests us, he doesn't seek to tempt us towards evil or to do what is wrong. He tests us to see what is in our hearts, to see if we'll respond to him in a right way and in a proper way. So God's testing is so that we, we can be proven faithful and true. That's why God tests us, to see if we'll listen to him, to see if we believe in him, to see if we trust in the things that he says. So he'll ask us to do things that 
maybe seem even contradictory to what in the world he's already said to us. He'll ask us to do something, and that's what happens to Abraham. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! He said, here am I. I love that. Here am I. Here I am. I'm right here. And he said, take your, now your son, your only son. And we've got to stop there too because you read this. Only son, he has Isaac. He has Ishmael. But again, we're focusing, God's focusing on the covenant. He had one son of the covenant. He knew that Ishmael existed. That's not the issue. God's saying, take the son, take the only son that you have according to the promise that I have given you, according to the things that I have already spoken. This is the promised one, your only son. Whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I tell you. Now, we've got to stop here because a lot of times we just read this and we just keep cruising. That's got to freak his brain out. Come on. Come on. Be real. God comes to you and says, kill your kid. Oh, boy. You're not just going, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Just think. He's got stuff going on in his mind. He's got... I can't even imagine the struggle that's going on within him. And yet, so many times we can just read through this. Oh, yeah, I know the story. But just think of the emotion. Just think of the things that are going on. Just think of the thoughts that he's got to be thinking. He has to be thinking something like this. God, how can you ask me to kill him? He's the promised one. He's the one that you promised. And you said, through him, all my generations. He doesn't have any kids. He doesn't have any offspring. All the promises are coming down through him. And he's got this dilemma going on in his brain. If I kill my son, that's the end of the promise. So now he has a choice. Am I going to believe God or am I going to follow God or am I going to just elevate his promise and say, no, you gave me a promise. I'm standing on this promise and I'm not doing what you're saying. He has this choice to make and it is a dilemma. And luckily we know from the scripture what he was thinking. We'll look at that later. But just think this major test now, I want you to think here. I just want to stop for a second and, and just think back through your life and maybe some of the things that you, you have come to because what I find that happens in our lives is that if the promises of God don't happen the way that we think, we can get disappointed. We can become disappointed in God because things haven't worked out the way we thought they should. We can become just totally, oh God, why? Why did you even give me this promise? You're not doing it. And now we're sitting there disappointed. And then sometimes we can even become disillusioned where we just stop. Well, I can't even believe God. God God promised me this and I'm not seeing it. It's not happening. It's not taking place. Or like with this challenge here, I can become disillusioned because now, God, you're, you're putting me in this impossible situation. You're placing me in this circumstances that, that are, are tough for me. Or we can actually even become embittered with God. And I see that happen. There are people that blame God for everything and they're bitter with God and they're angry with God because things haven't worked out the way that they wanted them to. They're embittered. And they struggle with God and they, they hold things in their heart against God. 
But Abram, you know, Abraham was an amazing person. If, if you go just right before, right before Isaac would have been conceived, Abram was, Abraham was traveling, and he went to a king, and he was fearful that the king would kill him <laughs> and take, I don't know, she must have been a good-looking girl, like 90 years old. And he says, she's so beautiful, he's going to kill me and take her. Come on, that's got to be amazing. And so he goes and he shows his, his fear. And he lies and has her lie. But God says, you know, this is amazing because this, this is the second time he did this. But the second that the king took her into his house, the, king said, the Lord said to him, I'm going to kill you. That's a paraphrase. He says, you're, you're going to die. You are going to die. And he said, what? I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I didn't know. He said this. And he goes, because of your innocence, I won't kill you, but get her out of here. You know, what would people think? Maybe Isaac was that guy's kid. See what I'm saying? So he, he even messes up in the midst of showing incredible awesomeness. I don't, it, it's just amazing. So in verse 3 it says this, Abraham rose early in the morning. God told him, do this. Go take your son. Travel three days. You go to the mountain. I'm going to show you. And, and instantly, in the morning, he doesn't put it off for a day, two days, three days, four days, a week, a month. He doesn't dicker back and forth with God. Well, we don't know. Maybe he did because he is a dicker, remember? <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, if there's only 50 righteous, if there's only 40 righteous, if there's only 30. You know, he keeps on a going and going with God. We don't know in the scripture, but we do know this, is that early the next morning he got up and he obeyed. And off he went. Off he went. And then, as we go, it says, on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and he saw the place at a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. I like how he says it. I and the lad will go and we will return. It's kind of interesting. And so Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham. Now this guy, he's, a, he's pretty smart. And he said to his father, he said, My father, here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. Where's the lamb for the offering? Now he's going, if we're going to offer something, where is the lamb? And then Abraham says something I find very curious. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Now he says this, and says the two of them walked together. 
Verse 9, they came to the place in which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there. He arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now this is just an aside. Isaac let his dad tie him up and lay him down. Now I don't know how tough Abraham is at 100 and whatever. 115, 20 years old. But I think probably Isaac might have been able to do something about that. Just speaks of his trust in his father. It's just amazing to me. He allowed this to take place. It says in verse 10, So Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. He took the knife to slay his son raises it up, gets ready. And what they do on these sacrifices is they slit the throat to burn, you know, bleed out, and then they light them on fire. They, a whole burnt offering is, the whole thing is given to the Lord. And so, you think about this. He comes up, he says, God's going to supply his own lamb, and he raises the knife. He gets ready to kill his son. The angel tells him to stop. So what's going on in his mind? We have a, a wonderful thing in Hebrews 11 that gives us a glimpse into the thinking. Sometimes I wish they had more of this. So we could see the thought process, the thinking that went on in the minds of people and see what took place in their heart. So we go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Again, remember I'm saying this is the promised one now. And it says in the next verse, it was he whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. And in verse 19 it says, he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. What's that type thing? Well, Isaac is a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ where God sent his only son to die. His only begotten son, doesn't it say? To die and to pay for the sacrifice. And so he received him back from the dead because in his heart he was dead. He was just getting ready to kill him. And so in his heart he's dead, but God allowed him to continue on. So here's what it says in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! He said, here I am. He says, do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, this is the important part. This is the fulfillment of the test. God tested him to see if he would fear him. 
And, and that fear of the Lord's not, oh, I'm afraid of you and I'm running away from you because Abraham was called a friend of God. Fear of the Lord is putting the Lord before anything else in your life. Fear of the Lord is when he speaks to you, you do what he says. The fear of the Lord means I reverence you, I place you in a position where I'm going to, to serve you and I'm going to do what you ask me to do. I'm going to place what you have before my own desires. And, and now the angel says, I know that you fear him. I know that you fear God. So stop. You don't have to kill him. And then what happens is the fulfillment of the words that he spoke to the two. Remember the two guys that were with him? He says, and even to the words that um, he spoke to his son Isaac, because he says, we're going to go sacrifice, and we're going to come back. And he said to Isaac, the Lord will provide the lamb. And so it says in verse 13, Abraham raised his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him, coincidentally, <laughs> I'm sure it says that in, in the Bible, coincidentally, accidentally, maybe by happenstance or chance. Right? Yeah, I don't think so either. He looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. God will provide for himself a lamb. And so there's the lamb. He takes it, offers it up. Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Now every time you see that place, wouldn't that bring up memories? The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. Now listen to this. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. He said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore. And... Your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Just thinking of this. Sometimes God will seemingly ask us to give up promises or put us in a position where obeying him. He, he, God will test us. He's not afraid to test us. He wants us to pass the test. Yes. Right? He wanted Abraham to pass the test. He doesn't give it so we'll fail. He gives it so he can test us so that he can truly know what's in us. Just like we talked about recently about Jesus, that he had to be tested 
That's why the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The devil tempts. He wants us to fail. He wants us to sin. He wants to control us. But God wanted Jesus to go and be tested so he could resist every temptation and trust in the Lord and move with the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. And it says when he came out of the wilderness, he came out in the power of God. And he began to do his ministry. Proving first, then ministry. Instead of ministry, and I'll prove myself, God wants to prove our faithfulness to him. And so Abraham, he's just as an amazing guy that he really believed. He said, I believe God so much that I believe if I kill my son, he'll raise him from the dead because God said the promise was through him. That's a great faith. He might have struggles in other areas, but when it came down to it, he believed God. He trusted God and walked with God. And so I just want to encourage us to choose God over his promises so that we don't make the promises bigger than they truly are. That we don't exalt the promises over the one who promised. That we give ourselves completely to him and allow him to work through our lives. Amen. So just to let you know, Suzette and I will be leaving very early. Uh, Tuesday morning, we're going to be going to Redding, California. Um, we're we're um, going to a prophetic conference. That It's a three-day conference there, and then we'll do some actual prophetic training on Saturday. And then Sunday, we're going to go to church, and then Monday, we'll be flying back. So... So we're going to be we're going to be gone. You can call all you want. We just aren't near. <laughs> we'll answer when we can, obviously. We don't just cut you off. But just wanted to let you know we're going to be gone and in meetings all day and night and all that kind of stuff for a few days and just having a great time and so thank you Jesus for that. So why don't you go and be amazing? Like Abraham, just trust God. We just got to trust God. I know it's a challenge, but that's part of our life. Faithful to Him. So Lord, as, as we leave today, we just ask for your blessing to be upon each one of us. Lord, just stir our hearts to believe every promise that you have, but help us to keep you at the highest place, Lord, and not elevate your promises to a place that's higher than than we, you want them to be in our lives. Help us just to worship you, to follow you, to trust you. Help us to pass the test. Give us strength and give us the ability to just do the things that you ask. And I'm so thankful that you do. Just touch each one of us in the strong, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.